You're listening to From the Field, a podcast helping ministry leaders think differently, thrive personally, and lead thoughtfully. Welcome to From the Field. My name is Ryan Hughley. I'm lead pastor of Formation Church in Salt Lake City, Utah, and I also write about developing relationship with God at ryanhughley.com. My name is Tyler Dravitz, and I'm the executive pastor at Formation, and I also lead a company called MyXP, where we help pastors solve problems by providing remote executive pastor support to churches around the country. Learn more at myxp.church. Every single week, I wonder, number one, is he going to take a breath big enough to get through this sentence? Uh-huh. And then two, does he get all the words out before he like falls out of his chair and, and you crushed it, it? No, but every time I have to take a, a breath, I was literally going to say, every time I come, like it's my turn, yeah. I think, can I make it through the whole thing. Can I make it through the whole thing? And that like breathing is involuntary. Mm-hmm. So even though I'm going for it, <gasps> yeah, I always have a big breath. Maybe we'll work on, I'll work on maybe shortening the yeah. sentence a little bit. Truncating it. Yeah. Maybe put a little punctuation in it somewhere. So it's not just one <laughs> long sentence. <laughs> well, we uh, are, I do not do copy editing. I've had, to <laughs> yeah, explain that. I've had to explain that to a few people. So yeah, <laughs> it's not on our site. We are uh, in a series of conversations discussing the unique value that is accessible to smaller churches. So just to continue to reiterate in our current modern church culture, we hear so much about the obvious value of large churches, mm-hmm. but what we're wrestling with is this question is like, but what is the unique value offered in smaller communities? And so this week, we're going to talk about culture. Mm. And so before we really get into the nuts and bolts of that, when you think about the culture of formation, which we have built with an immense amount of care and intention, Mm -hmm. it's probably the thing almost more than anything else that we pay the closest attention to. Mm -hmm. Um, And really that almost everything we do in some way is tied to like being an expression of our culture. Mm -hmm. And so when you think about the culture of formation, I'm curious what you would say is one of your favorite aspects. Mm. Just, just to talk about like our own experience, our own community that we lead. Mm -hmm. What's one of your favorite things about the culture of formation? Um, I mean, I really like that. Um, our, like what it means to be like, you know, a formation person, mm-hmm. um, is not about it, it. Like it's about a lot, I guess a lot of it's about like the way you behave mm-hmm. t- and, a, and a lot of times towards other people, maybe, I don't mm-hmm. know. Like, I'm not entirely sure how to like Can articulate you give an it. example. Maybe? Well, well, yeah, just like, it's not about like, not everybody looks the same. Oh, yeah. We don't have the same interests. We don't like, uh, as a matter of fact, somebody made a comment the other day about like, uh, Oh, we were at a prayer meeting and they were just like, you know, that, that we'd look around this room and, we'd be so shocked that these people um, would be in in the same room. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And, and afterwards I said, I was like, so do you, because we were praying for, you know, like God to bring other people to our church and that kind of thing. And I was like, I just was asking, I was like, so do you feel like that now? And they're like, Oh no, definitely. I want it to be more. Mm -hmm. Cause I would say that's exactly what I feel like. Yeah. I look around and I just am like, this is unbelievable. Yeah. And even the fact that people have anything in common at all, or, you know, I mean, we have people who like, you know, we do, uh, 
you know, we've talked about meetups a number mm-hmm. of times and, and I mean the meetups that we've had, like right now there's one on there to like go to the movie theater and watch one of the Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. We've had people play Dungeons and Dragons and we've had people make candles and we've had people do a <laughs> wine and Japanese chocolate dinner. And we've had as you, people as go you to run the that list. I was like, are we witches? We got like a lot of candles and <laughs> Dungeons <laughs> and Dragons. Sold, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but I just love that. That is not like it's not like mm-hmm. the way anyone looks or dresses or yeah. what their house is like or how they raise their kid. I mean, I really, I'm not really sure what causes people to come and be like, yes, I will stay there. But it's not that you were like, oh yeah, they're mm-hmm. all just like me. Yeah, that's not a thing. It's interesting that you say that because I think, I think mine is the same, and maybe what I'd say is the common thread between all mm-hmm. of that and it was reinforced for me in a in a meeting with a new couple yesterday that cited this as what their experience was. Yeah. I I think the thing that I love the most and that is what you're describing is that binds us together is there is this just sort of com like shared authenticity. Yeah. And I know that that is can be like kind of an mm-hmm. overused junk drawer word. Yeah. But by authenticity I mean like People are just willing to come and be who they are. Mm-hmm. And to your point, no one is excluded or shunned or shamed because of who they are. Like, no. I remember when we moved to Salt Lake, there was a couple of churches that we visited because we didn't have one. And I remember leaving one service and Tammy and I were driving down the road and she was, and the first thing that she said was, I definitely don't think that we're cool enough to go to that church. Mm. And I remember being like, God, that's a real, and that's not to say like people weren't like kind or anything like that, but that was the most obvious thing about Mm -hmm. this culture was it's cool. And I don't like, I I don't think that, I mean, I think a lot of the things that we do are cool. I think we have cool furniture and all that kind of stuff, but I just don't think that when people leave that they go, Well, joins cool. And I think what's <laughs> fair to say is it's cool to us. Yeah. And that's we don't totally really true. care. We're know. also making candles and playing Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, for sure. So. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, like the one example I always come up with is like, and even a single man in his 40s who's like doormat on the way into his condo is like the Disney monorail. Disney World, <laughs> like still has a place here. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's just. There's all of that stuff and it just, it doesn't matter because it is more about like, just like loving people and, and recognizing that like, you don't have to have a ton in common. And I mean, obviously that's helpful with friendships and all of that, but it just seems like our people are largely a lot more chill Mm -hmm. than uh, I've experienced in, in churches in the past or, you know, that kind of thing, or just that I, you know, talk to other pastors about having to deal with like, I don't know, like maybe my thing is not to like do that thing that you've scheduled, but eh, if I want to spend time with Mm -hmm. you, I'm happy to go to the knitting circle or whatever (laughs) other random thing gets posted. Uh, I mean, it's going to happen and I think it's great. Yep. So yeah, Yeah, I like it. I agree with that. All right. Well, let's, let's start with maybe some definition because I, again, culture is another one of those words that does get used a lot. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that we always understand what it means. So the way that I define culture for our church and even my own understanding is that culture is the, the, is comprised of the beliefs and the behaviors that embody who we are. 
So it's two things. It is the beliefs and behaviors that embody who we are. And both of those are really, really important because my fear is that <clears throat> most pastors I know um, like love language because mm-hmm. we write and we teach. And so we love to like come up with core values and all this kind of stuff. But oftentimes it can stop at language. So we have a belief where we just say like, hey, we think it, 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 for instance, we'll talk about this more in a minute, but like we believe it is okay to not be okay. Mm-hmm. But the problem is then you treat people who aren't okay like crap mm-hmm. and that belief doesn't matter. So it really is only the beliefs that inform how we behave that create our culture. Like culture is made up of behavior, mm-hmm. which I think is interesting because that's one of the things that you said is you were describing what you love most yeah. is it does tend to be about a way that we behave. And I would say, well, that's the chief thing that informs culture is how we behave toward one another and sure. toward the world. Totally. So <clears throat> it is both of those things as we talk about this. So that being said, um, why do we believe that smaller churches can have an easier time with culture? Mm-hmm. Um, and you said something interesting as we were kind of walking through this together and getting ready. You had a little bit of a pause. You're like, I'm not actually sure if I believe that. Mm-hmm. And and so what is definitely true is like you you can absolutely create culture in small churches and you can absolutely create culture in big churches. Mm-hmm. So there's no, in no way are we saying that like large churches don't have culture. That's insane. I mean, the, the reality is l- most of the like really large churches do have very clearly defined cultures oh, yeah. and, and tend to be exceptional at it. Our thing is just like it can and should be when there is fewer numbers of people theoretically, it should be easier for us to get traction on the culture front mm. just because cultures are made up of people. Yeah. And if there are less people, I, I mean, logic would just say it should be easier to get all of us aligned, moving in the same direction in the same way. Yeah, definitely easier. I think the point, and we'll go into some like things you need to keep in mind is that it's not easy to create a culture. No, it's not easy to change a culture. And the only thing that I would make sure everyone understands is like your church has a culture. A hundred percent. You may not think about it and you may not have gone through the steps that we're giving and it might not have had any sort of focus or intentionality behind it, but make no mistake. I mean, even in what I've done for my XP, I've gotten to visit a number of churches and I mean, you walk in, I could like, it's sort of like name that tune. I feel like I can like articulate your culture in the first 10 to 15 minutes of the Mm -hmm. church, just the things that you value, the way that people interact, the way that people are dressed, all of it really does inform that. And so whether or not you've been intentional about it, and even if you feel like, yeah, our culture is a little confused, that's still a culture. Sure, We've been to a church like that where you were just like, they do all the things and they... Uh, like the songs, just everything. I had, I mean, I I have a pastor friend who has, who has his own friend that is a consultant on like ministry cultures. Mm -hmm. And he came to my pastor friend's church, spent an entire weekend there. And at the end gave his assessment and said, you have the most confusing culture I've ever experienced. And to your point, that is their culture. Sure. It's like this kind of very unique, eclectic, and therefore confusing. Sure. And that's just like, and that's their culture. Right. 
Absolutely. So at any rate, I just think that that like, yeah, absolutely. It's going to be easier Mm -hmm. because you're right. Just the math. Math has no agenda. It'll be easier. There are less people, but it's still not, doesn't make it easy. Right. And even if you feel like, oh, that's not important to me. Well, that in and of itself is a culture. Yeah. Yeah. All it is, is a matter of like, it should be and easy is probably the wrong word. Less complicated is really like the, the, I feel like the place each week we keep coming back to is it should be slightly less because it's just less complicated to get 50 people on the same page than it is to get 5,000 on the same page. Totally. So let's talk a little bit about um, some advice for cultivating culture. This is something I would say at Redemption, where we planted in 2009, um, even when we were pastoring in North Carolina for mm-hmm. two years that we were really working to pay attention to was the culture. When we came here to plant, it was super focused on culture. Our restart uh, and becoming formation was largely about really naming and memorializing and honoring culture. Mm-hmm. So this is something that we probably give more conversation to than any other single topic. So let's talk a little bit of advice for cultivating culture. Uh, Here's the first one I would say, and it kind of plays into what you were just talking about. My first piece of advice would be be intentional about creating culture. Mm -hmm. You just said it, but every group, community, and or organization does have a culture, Mm -hmm. period. The question is not, do we have a culture? It's, did we create one with intention or did it just happen because of the way that we sort of naturally behave? Totally. And I think your call call out earlier about uh, a lot of pastors really like to write. Mm -hmm. It's that whole thing. I think you've shared it. all the listeners have probably heard it, but it's like, is what's written on the wall happening down the hall? Yeah. And if it's not, then like you just have some words that truthfully no one even knows. Yeah. And that's that's an Andy Stanley thing. Is it? Okay. Yeah, I don't want to take credit for it. <laughs> oh, well. Um, it's a good one. But yeah, I mean, I think I that was at some leadership conference and that's, that, that's his question to leadership, to yeah. leaders as it pertains to culture and vision is yeah. like, it's great to have a mission statement and core values mm-hmm. and mantras. All that stuff is great. I love all of that. But if it isn't informing behavior, it doesn't freaking matter. Right. <laughs> and it isn't culture. Right. It's just words. Yeah. And I think that some people get so up in their heads about, you know, all our staff has to be able to recite this and that and the other. And what's more important is that, like, are we, like, massaging it into the behavior yep. part? Because that's what's better than, like, did we get every, like, syllable correct? Yeah. It's like, and and I think it's, you know, just like you say, you have to, like, look at what what it is mm-hmm. and, and really be honest with yourself yep. because it might be time to change. Yeah. So I think there's two vantage points from which to think about this. The one is, am I leading in something existing? Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> like we are now, like if we are going to, if we're going to have a conversation about culture, yeah. we're talking about what is, cause yep. we've already started our church. If you're like in the pre launch phase or you're getting ready to, to, to build something from nothing, then you're coming at this from a different angle. So if you're coming at this from you're leading something existing, the thing to do is to take, as you were just saying, an honest assessment of the current culture, like backing up and looking at what is, not what you wish it was, but what it actually is. And then I would love if you talked a little bit about this tool that we used at Starbucks that we Mm -hmm. think is really helpful here that is start, stop, continue. Mm -hmm. So just flesh that out a little bit. 
Yeah, uh, start, stop, con continue. Maybe the corporate environment you're from called it a skip level, something like that. But uh, it's really just helpful to like have a couple flip charts, three to be exact, mm -hmm. and write start on the top of one of them and then stop on the top of one of them and then continue. Mm -hmm. And then genuinely give people the ability to just like say anything in the world they want to start doing, anything in the world they want to stop doing, and anything in the world they want to continue doing based on whatever the goal is. Yep. Uh, and so if we feel like the goal is like we want to have a more welcoming culture what do we need to start doing what do we need to stop doing and what do we need to continue doing yep that's and good. then attach energy and focus behind how do we like resource and employ whatever those agreements were um and i think that you learn a lot that way whether it's um you know an issue in a specific ministry or the culture of your church you can really garner a lot because uh it also doesn't like um it also doesn't force you to make any specific change. It's really just like kind of like a brain dump activity of like, if this is what we want to accomplish, uh, what do we want to start, stop and continue doing? Yep. I love that. So I would say if you're in an existing environment and you're beginning to get a, a, some clarity around that things are not what you wish they were and believe they should be and you want to make some changes there, it might be advantageous to pull a hand. Like I wouldn't, I would not do like a big, huge meeting, you know, like I would say pulling groups of like five to 10 people together to oh, do this sure. would be really beneficial, but like don't have, we've talked about this before, but like probably don't have a full blown membership meeting where you mm -hmm. try to do this with 50 to a hundred people. Cause that'll just be a dumpster fire. But if you're existing, that's what you're going to take an honest assessment of the current culture and figure out where do we want to go from here. If it's new, then the, the question to sit with is, is what does Jesus want us to be? Mm -hmm. You know, there are a million different kinds of churches. When we when it comes to culture, we might have a largely speaking, we might have a shared theology, but the way that we go about embodying who we are is there's just so many different examples of that. Mm. And so rather than start with how do we be like you know, whoever your favorite megachurch person is yeah. to start with really trying to, to prayerfully discern who does Jesus want us to be? Right. Which largely like one thing that was really helpful for us is hearing Larry Osborne talk a little bit about mm -hmm. that. And that was, uh, I don't know, one of the millions of things that we've heard him say, but he talks about how the way that he thinks about the local church is almost like every church is a, what's the language they use? Sunday uses? school elective and God's big church. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Which, and every Sunday school elective has got like a little bit of a different bent to it. They yeah. aren't different all the teacher, same. Different teacher, different, yeah. Yeah. And that's essentially what we all are. And I would really encourage you if you feel like, no, 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 we have the corner marketed uh, or the market cornered on what the church is, that's a huge problem. Mm -hmm. <laughs> huge lack of humility there. The reality is God has wired you and gifted you in a particular way, yep. and you're meant to lead out of that. Mm-hmm. That's good. All right, so the first, first piece of advice, be intentional about creating culture. What's the second one? Uh, being consistent with language. Uh, and I think that this is something that you've always done such a great job of. As a matter of fact, anytime uh, we have something new or something like in the works and I'm working with uh, the designers who have supported us for years and years, uh -huh. you know, it'll be like, well, what are we going to call this for sure? And I'm like, oh, well, well. I don't, I don't weigh in on that. Or, uh, like even as we moved into the ministry center, we needed to name all the rooms and do signage. And they mm -hmm. were like, they had come in with some ideas and I was like, maybe we'll see. Yeah. I just like, <laughs> like, yeah, it's something that you think about and, mm -hmm. uh, has served us really well. And so like what, like 
other than just like liking words, mm-hmm. you've got to have reason for that. So what, like, why do you care so much about how things are named? Uh, yeah, that's a great question. I would have loved to know that question <laughs> on the front end. It just came to me. Yeah, I wasn't holding one. that. Yeah. No, 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 that's good. I, I think the big thing to me, it, it, like, again, it comes back to culture and being intentional. Like some stuff is just, I abhor a name for a namesake. Like it mm. makes my skin crawl sure. if it's just like, if I don't, I don't do arbitrary when sure. it comes to language. So it needs to be intentional. Yeah. So if we are trying to create, like we intentionally tried to create a very welcoming and warm home-like environment in this ministry center. Yep. And so we named all of the rooms accordingly, sure. like the, around names that would exist in your home. We're current, well, in some homes, cause we're currently recording the podcast in the parlor. Yeah. Unless you're not Bruce Wayne. Many, yeah, t- not too many <laughs> pastors listening have a parlor. No, that's 100% true. We, The truth is we had so many rooms, we had to get a little creative. Oh, yeah, we, we literally had to Google what are things that people call rooms. Yeah, and, but yeah. that does come back to, but there's still intention behind it. Sure. And that we want to have like this home like, because this is our church home. And so let's name it accordingly. So that's the, the biggest thing that I think about is just like, is it authentic? to you there are certain language that i like could be authentic to another person but isn't for me like i I just can't say that without like wanting to throw up in my Mm -hmm. mouth type of thing and so i would just be you know mindful about that and then i think you know shorter is better uh in general Mm -hmm. when it comes to language less is more yeah Mm -hmm. that it's more memorable it's easier for people and so one thing i'll never forget this is before planting um, before we planted redemption, mm-hmm. there was a minute where we thought we might, uh, plant in Portland, Oregon because yes, I had some family right. there. And so I, that's when I really started to begin doing some reading about just starting things in general. And I remember mm-hmm. reading a book by Guy Kawasaki, mm. who, uh, originally was, uh, an Apple evangelist. Like he worked for Apple computers mm. and his whole job was to be an evangelist for Apple. Mm. And so he would like travel around and talk about how awesome they are. All right. But he wrote this great book. I'm not sure if it like holds up now. Cause this was like, you know, 15 years ago, but he wrote a book called the art of the start. And it was all about like how to start things. Mm. And I remember him talking about the power of a mantra and that a mantra should have no more than three words Mm. in in it, which makes it just do it. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And he actually tracks down through some of the most memorable mantras that stick with us. They tend to have three words. And so I think where you loving it. Yeah. Yeah. This is good. (laughs) (laughs) Derail it. I'm like, all right. (laughs) Um, and so again, we're not super like married to the three word thing, but the the big takeaway I did have was the power of mantras. Mm. And so like, as an example, one of the most um, often, and this is not original to us, I actually don't know where this originates from because mm-hmm. I hear, I've heard it in so many places at totally. this point, but the, that phrase, it's okay to not be okay, mm-hmm. especially in um, what from the outside looking in is a quote unquote religious environment mm-hmm. or a faith community, that sentiment, it's okay to not be okay, sadly, is so foreign to people's experience in the church sure. that that is probably more than anything else that we say resonates with people very, very deeply. Well, and I think that it is foreign, interestingly enough, not only by behavior, but there's not an over 
abundance of churches that would even say that out loud. No, totally. Just, <laughs> I yeah, mean, just you think of the it. idea of putting on your Sunday best. Yeah. Um, and like, you know, that oftentimes can translate down to, you know, your emotions and all it like, nope, we're going to, yeah. we're going to be the good family. We're all going to be behaved. And if not, you're grounded forever sort of a thing. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And so I think that, but to your point, that's been not only something that like is slick to say, but we have darn near everyone in the church has the ability to reference. Yeah. Here's when I was not okay Mm -hmm. in this community in a way that people knew and it was still okay. Right. Totally. And I still believe, I'm curious if you agree, if you were to ask the average person in our church, Uh like we don't really, I mean, we do have a mission statement. Like we say, like we Mm want to be a safe place for hurting people to find healing relationship with Jesus. And um, I love that sentence. Mm-hmm. I think it is very much probably the the clearest articulation of what our mission is totally. as a church. But if you were to ask the average person, like, what's it mean to be a part of, like, what what is the message of formation? Then I would bet you that most of them would revert back to mm, some version of it's okay to not be okay. Oh, for sure. Because I think even, like, I agree. I think that the actual statement that you just said is... Um, the more robust and like really if you think about it, it is such a great picture of ours. But even I Mm -hmm. really like when I'm praying, Mm -hmm. I'll be like, healing safe hurting mm-hmm. place it's with cut, you Jesus. know why it's because it's too long well and i and i think that it just is it's not that it's not memorable but what i'm really saying is like it's okay to not be okay yeah i'm i'm trying to do it in the eloquent way that's on the front page of the website but i just miss a couple of the words or reorganize them to mm-hmm. where i think i've just told people if they're hurting <laughs> jesus is gonna get them i don't know but i just prayed about it so that's complicated <laughs> Um, but yeah, but I agree. I think, I think that's what resonates the most and it's easy to remember. It is totally. All right. So be intentional about creating culture, Mm -hmm. be consistent with language. And then lastly, be like, think of yourself as being a culture keeper. Mm -hmm. And, um, I remember, I think the first time I heard some version of this, I think that I heard Louis Giglio one time asked like, what do you think is your primary responsibility as the lead pastor of Passion City Church. Mm-hmm. And his answer, if I remember correctly, was something to the effect of, I'm I am our chief storyteller, like mm-hmm. and and I'm the keeper of our culture. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is a great answer. And I think about I was just reading today about lighthouse keepers. Okay. And so a lighthouse keeper was is was and is the person who was oftentimes lived in a lighthouse and they were responsible for tending and caring for it. So Mm. it would continue to function. And so I I do think that culture requires that same thing. Like, again, you, you don't get to just write a mantra, say it in a sermon and then it becomes culture. It doesn't work like that. You really, you need, and it's not just a lead pastor an executive pastor or staff, like the more that you can really get people to buy into what our culture is so that we are keepers of the culture, the better. Oh, absolutely. You, want, as, you know, and that's what I think is, has been so profoundly powerful about the culture that we have at formation is by and large, we have this entire body of people that has really bought into this, 
this this vision for being a safe place for hurting people to find healing relationship with Jesus. Mm-hmm. Just see how I nailed that? Rolls off your tongue. Just yeah. rolls off my tongue. It's a literary, it's it's a almost perfect sentence. It's it's a good sentence. I just can't remember. And so so as far as like how you go about doing that, two things I'd say. One is when you see something or experience something that is out of line mm. with the culture, then it needs to be addressed. Yeah. When you see something that is in line with the culture, it needs to be celebrated. Mm-hmm. So maybe we can think about just some examples. I think on uh, the latter, as far as seeing something that is in alignment that needs to be celebrated. Like I know I, I had a conversation yesterday with uh, this new couple that, that came. And uh, again, we've talked ad nauseum about how we've moved into this small ministry center. So we're like the tiny house of churches. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it is of like, it's, it's small, it's yeah. intimate. And it, it is, it is an, I, my, I couldn't wait to sit with these people and just be like, so what as an outsider? Mm-hmm. Cause this was the first people that we've had that didn't come because of an invite or yeah. family. Yeah. It was yep. just like, found you on the internet and we just came. We showed up. And I just wanted to know what was that like for mm-hmm. you? And, uh, and their answer was exactly what I'd hoped to hear. They said, well, we've, we've had some really negative experiences at small churches where yeah. it's been awkward or people haven't been friendly. And so we walked in and we thought, looking around, this is for sure going to be that experience. Mm. But they said immediately that people were so genuine and kind and welcoming and authentic that we immediately felt at home. Mm. And so I have a handful of text messages that I'm going to send it to be because I know some of the people that talk to them and I want to celebrate that and just say like, Hey, this couple who is in a, by their own words, in a very vulnerable season, they have found a home. We're the first church they visited in the Salt Lake Valley. Like mm-hmm. such a gift that they didn't have to like hop to 20 places. But week one, they came in, had this momentary sense of apprehension, but because of the way that we behaved with them, they immediately feel like they have a home. And sure. I feel like that needs to be celebrated because then that continues that culture moving forward. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I think on the other end, um, uh, I think one of the things that's really helpful, even in that, like, um, you know, having consistent language and uh, being intentional, like even being intentional about being a cult- culture keeper. I think one of the things that like I work really hard to like point out for people when they either will talk about experience they had somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just have the ability, like a, a phrase that I know comes out of my mouth a lot is we don't do that here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah. and, and it does really create this environment where people do have the ability to like, uh, think about it. And like you said, like, it's kind of a, we thing yeah. that approaches it because then they can start to understand, Oh, well, like we're not going to end, you know, and it's not, you know, basically, but just like whether somebody got hurt in a certain way mm-hmm. or, uh, you know, I remember, uh, we had, a, one of our worship leaders had decided to seek some help, mm-hmm. uh, at an inpatient facility. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> And she came back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry, this still makes me emotional that mm-hmm. other, like, n- not as much for her, mm-hmm. but, but that other people that she came back and really wondered if she would even be allowed on the worship team again. We mm-hmm. had a whole conversation her first week back. Everyone was excited to see her. We had just so happened to have, like, a church lunch afterwards, and so she, she got to connect with a few people. But... You know, and, and, uh, like I jokingly had said to her, like, why weren't you on this week? Mm-hmm. And she was like, well, she goes, I've just been kind of wondering, you know, 
am am I going to be able, and I was I, like, I couldn't even process the comment. Yeah. And so I was like, what are you talking about? And she's like, well, she goes, I mean, there were quite a few people like in worship that were at the same facility. It's, it's kind of focused on like helping people in ministry and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. And, uh, every single one of them had talked about that. They weren't like either were separated from the staff and this was just kind of like a send off help mm-hmm. or they weren't going to be able to serve in that capacity anymore. Or they yeah. had to sit for six months to a year. And I really felt pretty, um, I loved that I get to be a part of a church where my response to her on that day was the exact same. Like, we don't do that here. Yeah. Yeah. And it does betray, like, I think the reason that it is so saddening yeah, is that the message is, if you need help, yep. you're disqualified from leading. Yep. Absolutely. And I we would can't say- have you up front because yeah. no one can see the people who need help. Yeah. And that might be- the primary reason why we have so many screwed up ministry (laughs) leaders and why we have so much moral failure and why we have so, because there has become this, this just pattern of behavior that says, if you need help, you will be disqualified. Yep. And so people pretend like they're okay and then they're not okay. And then they're not okay becomes public. Yep. (laughs) And, Rather than like, you know, years prior before it built to this head that became this disqualifying thing, maybe if they had just been in an environment that was safe to get help, then all of that could have been avoided. But that is a great example of like, that's something like we just outright, and I understand there's might be even people listening that would disagree. Sure. We just adamantly reject the notion that that admitting to needing even significant deep help disqualifies you from leading. Like right. this same worship leader, like she stood up three weeks ago in church and her, and her call to worship said, I just got to be honest with you guys. Like sometimes I just don't even want to be here. And the only reason I come is because I have to do this. <laughs> and you know what? Like at first I was like, well, that's one way to start us. And, and then I was like, yeah, but that's how like a good portion of the room feels. Totally. Like, like I had had a week, two weeks prior to that, uh, that I distinctly remember waking up going, I don't feel like doing this today. Right. And, 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 and there is something that is really helpful to just say that out loud. Yep. And so, you know, that, that is a really great example of like both on the positive and on the negative, like celebrate when something's aligned, mm-hmm. when something is out of step or out of alignment, then address it and yep. fix it. Cause if you don't, it's going to hijack your culture. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. You've got to be willing to just hold the line on those things that you say are important or change what you say is important. Yeah. If, if you've got some things in your church that you feel embarrassed, um, about as your church, it's time to work to change those things if you can. Yep. That's good. Well, hopefully some of that is helpful. And uh, as always, we want to thank you for listening to From the Field. If uh, anybody comes to mind that you think might benefit from this conversation, we'd be honored if you shared it with a friend. So maybe you know a pastor or ministry leader in a smaller church that might benefit from this series, then just pass that along to them. Uh, And so hopefully that will be an encouragement. As a reminder, From the Field is only one branch of a Tyler and I's ministry. And so you can learn more about Formation if you go to formationslc.com. You can subscribe to my newsletter at ryanhugley.com as well as find me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at at ryanhugley. That's H-U-G-U-L-E-Y. You can find me on the same platforms at at Tyler Dravitz. That's D-R-E-W-I-T-Z. And you can learn more about MyXP at myxp.church. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next time.